Well, it is good to be back. I kind of feel like John Denver. Hey, it's good to be back home again. I appreciate uh, those who are here, some of you who are visiting are friends of mine from way back, and I appreciate you being here in the house of the Lord. I am going to move this music. They left it up here so I would sing a solo, <laughs> but I think I'm going to put it here if that's all right. Okay. Uh, I did have some sort of virus. Uh, there was one day I was confident that I had to get better before I could die, but I got over that day, and I'm about 95%, and I appreciate the opportunity to share God's Word with you today. We're going to take a text from the book of Jonah. Jonah is placed between Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nail. So if you're in the neighborhood of Obadiah, you're pretty close to Jonah. And so I want to read a several verses from God's Word. <clears throat> I believe that this is a story that God put in the Old Testament to teach us some important spiritual truths. And so let me begin with verse 1, chapter 1. By the way, this was... Uh, written approximately 750 years before Christ. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And then I want us to skip over to verse 15 of this chapter, and the Bible tells us, then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and a raging sea grew calm. And this the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. May God add his blessing to the reading and to the hearing and understanding of his word. I think most of us are familiar with this word association game. If I say a word, then you say the first thing that pops into your mind. In other words, if I were to say Adam, you would probably think of Eve. If I were to say Noah, you would think of the ark. David, Goliath, Daniel, the lion's den. And if I were to say on a conversation Jonah, you would think of a whale. 
The truth of it is the book of Jonah is not about a big fish. That's about all anybody knows about this book. But the book of Jonah is not about a big fish. It's about a big God who is able to take those of us who have failed and give us a second chance. And I dare say this morning without fear of contradiction that all of us know something about failure. I could stand here and tell you for 30 minutes of the failures that I have in my life. And I could take hours if not days talking about the mercy and the grace of God in giving me a second and a third and a fourth chance. The truth of it is, if you were to go to Barnes & Noble and look for a book, you could find a lot of books on how to succeed. But I don't believe I've ever seen a book entitled How to Fail. Because all of us want to be success. But the truth of it is, we probably learn more from the failures in our lives than we do the successes. Probably for those of you who enjoy history as I do, you know that Thomas Edison failed a dozen times before he was able to find and discover the electric light bulb. John Bunyan, that great author of Pilgrim's Progress, was in prison when he wrote that book. He had gotten into trouble and they put him in prison. Abraham Lincoln, I believe, was our 16th president. You may know, if you've read anything about him, that he lost five elections before he was elected president of the United States. Now some of you are wondering if I believe Jonah is a true story. Let me allay your fears. I believe that the Bible tells us a story here and I believe that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. Now the oldest translations, the old King James and even some other translation will use the word whale The newer, more accurate biblical translations do not use that word. They use the word a big fish or God prepared a huge fish. So I'm not sure at all that Jonah was swallowed by a whale, but I believe he was swallowed by a fish that God in his sovereignty prepared for Jonah. And there another reason that I believe it is because in the New Testament, our precious Lord quoted about Jonah. If this had been an apocryphal story, a story that was not true, a mere allegory, something that you tell but not it is not based in historical fact, I don't believe our Lord would have said what he said in Matthew 12, 40. These are the words of Jesus. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You see what our Lord is doing here. He's linking what he knew of the Old Testament 
and how his great father prepared a great fish. And he uses that to illustrate that there would be a time in his life when he would go to the cross and bear our sins and he would die and then for three days he would be in the grave. So I believe that the story of Jonah is a true story, but there's another superfluous reason if man in his finite wisdom can build a submarine that can hold 200 sailors and sail under an ice cap and stay there for weeks, I believe the God who created the heavens and an earth can create a fish to swallow one man. Therefore, I believe that what we're dealing here with is a story of God's intervention, a story of our failure and God giving us a second chance. So let's look for a few minutes on the call of Jonah. First of all, it was a personal call. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. In other words, Jonah knew he was a prophet. God had a purpose for the call. And he says, Jonah, I have a job for you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh and cry out against their wickedness because I am fully cognizant, fully aware of their wickedness. And Jonah, you need to warn them of the judgment that is about to fall on Nineveh. And so God calls this man Jonah, one of his prophets, and rather than being like Isaiah who said, Lord, Here am I, send me. Jonah said, I don't want the job. And so he rejected the word of the Lord. It was a personal call. I believe in a personal call. I know y'all are praying about and hoping that God will eventually send you a real preacher. But the point of it is, I hope he is a man who believes that He has been personally called by God to be a preacher of the gospel. That is my calling. That is what I have tried to fulfill for nearly 60 years. I am not saying I'm a good preacher, but I know that at age 15 there was a God who spoke to me and I have labored under that call from God. So whatever else you have as a prerequisite for your future preacher, you be sure that he labors under the conviction that he has been called by God. Not only was it a personal call, but God called him for a special purpose. I have a job for you, Jonah. Jonah, there's a city called Nineveh, Nineveh was a place that scholars believe was located somewhere in Spain. It had, according to scholarship, about 100,000 people, about the same size of Roanoke. It must have been a city of unusual wickedness because God was going to judge that city called Nineveh, and he said, I want you to go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. 
See, I believe, folks, and don't misunderstand, but we're living in a day when I believe that preaching as a exercise, preaching as a calling is falling on in disrepute. I do believe that preaching is important. I, uh, the Bible, Paul said in Corinthians, woe, woe is me if I preach not the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul was saying that because God had spoken to him that he was under the obligation and the holy unction of God to to preach the gospel. And Paul said, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. We're living in a day when we hear a lot of sermons on how how to raise G-rated children in a X-rated world. That's all right, but our main task is to preach the gospel. We're told that we're living in a day when the preaching is not as important as I believe the Bible says it is. You remember when Paul wrote to the Roman church, and he was talking to the Roman church about going and to the uttermost part of the world, and he said, how, how shall they call in him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they be sent? Oh, I say to you today that as never before, we need churches have men who stand and preach unmistakably and clearly and concisely and pointedly the message that there is a God who loves us, but there is a God who's going to judge sin. He said to Jonah, you go and you preach, Jonah, because their wickedness has come up before me. When I read that and as I studied this this last week or two, it, it occurred to me that I wonder how God looks on America today and all the things that are going on today, all the stuff that you and I read about, the things that get us down, the things that we wonder about. I wonder today, the God who has blessed us, will he be the same God who breaks us? See, I believe what Billy Graham's wife said, if God does not judge America, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, folks, we're living in Sodom and Gomorrah. I believe we're living in a day where even in some school systems, they teach things that ought to make us blush, but it's a part of the educational and the indoctrination Oh, God, we need mercy on America. We don't need justice. Preaching is important. Therefore, Paul, the call of Jonah was to go and to preach against the sin of people. Folks, we need to take sin seriously. God took it serious enough that he sent his only son to die on the cross. So serious is sin to God is that his only son, the one who he sent to take away the sin of the world. 
But notice what Jonah did. We first have the call of Jonah, then we have, secondly, the failure of Jonah. The reason this book resonates with me is because I know something about failure. Uh, maybe you don't. You say, preacher, I don't know anything about failure. I, I want to talk to you after the service about lying. <laughs> Truth of it is, we all know something about failure. Notice what the Bible says in verse 2. Verse 1, it says, God said, I want you to go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. But in verse 3, it said, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. I was a pastor a long time, and sometimes people would knock on my study door, and they'd come in and sit down, and they, they would say, Preacher, I love you, but I knew it was coming. Oh, I love you, Preacher, but. And then for the next 30 minutes, they would rake me over the coals. Here it says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. You see, God said, Jonah, I have a job for you to do. And Jonah said, no, I don't want to do that job. And folks, we're living in a day when we need to listen to the voice of God. I, I want to go back and I want to say that with all my heart as a preacher, it has blessed my life to, to watch lay men and lay women for pretty close now to 60 years that I've lived in this county called Franklin. And when I came here at age 27, I... I saw men and women in their 20s and 30s who, who were not paid one nickel, but they served the Lord because they, they believed as a Christian they had been called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And they loved people and ministered to people and gave their time and their substance to people. It is only not only that God calls prophets and preachers but folks, if you're a child of God today, he has called you to be his representative. And it has blessed my life in the 55 years that I have been here to see people who for those length of years have served their Lord. I'm not talking about just at Franklin Heights. I'm talking about Rocky Mount. I'm talking about in the Methodist church. I'm talking about in other churches, men who have been bought and women by the blood of Jesus, who have tried their best to love Jesus Christ. And I thank you for that. And even when I was pastoring at Franklin Heights, ever so often I would remind them of this church's vision to start a church called Franklin Heights Baptist Church. And did you know out of that church we have sent missionaries and preachers and lay people who are sharing the gospel and it began because God gave this church a vision. So you're to be commended for that. And I would say in the days and years that lie ahead that it will be the vision that you share in this community that will be the seedbed of growing this great church. Jonah said no to God and he paid a price for it. 
says in verse 2, But Jonah ran away from the and headed for Tarshish, and he went down to Joppa. Where he, by the way, do you know where Joppa is today? I'm not going to pay, charge anything extra for this. But today, Joppa is a suburb of Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv has grown in Israel to such a big place that it overtook the, the community of Joppa. But it's true that Joppa is a kind of a suburb of Tel Aviv in Israel. And when we go back to... To the text it says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish, and he went down to Joppa, outside of Tel Aviv, didn't say that here, where he found a ship bound for that port, and after paying the fare. Let me camp just there for a minute. Jonah had made a decision that he was not going to obey God. Jonah made a decision that he was not going to be where God wanted him to be. He was not going to go where God said go. He was not like Isaiah. Here am I, Lord, send me. No, Jonah in essence says, I don't want the job. Send somebody else. And he went down to Joppa and he, the Bible says, and he paid the fare. Listen to me. The reason this book is so up to date is because, Christian, it always costs us to disobey God. Paying the fare. The prodigal son, after he had taken his father's inheritance, then he wasted his life in riotous living, and it cost him because that Jewish boy wound up in a hog pen that's when he came to himself. By the way, not all prodigals are sons. Sometimes the prodigals are daughters too. The point I'm trying to make is that sin always costs us something. What begins in an office as an innocent flirtation then winds up somewhere in a hotel room. It will cost us. I heard some preacher say years ago that Sin will take us further than we intended to go. Sin will keep us longer than we intended to stay. And sin will cost us more than we intended to pay. I remember we had a lovely couple in our church and each of them had had a divorce and they were married but they loved the Lord, tried to serve Him. They didn't live in Franklin County. They lived in Roanoke, and every Sunday they'd drive to Franklin Heights. I got to know them pretty good. He was a big old man, big old man, about six, three, or four, weighed about 300 pounds. I was talking to him one day, and I don't know if he just wanted to get it off his chest, but he said, Preacher, I... I feel so guilty the way I treated my first wife. He said, I feel so bad because I mistreated my wife and it cost him his marriage. Folks, I need to tell you, whether it's in my life or your life, 
Sin always costs us more than we intended to pay at the beginning. And that's the story here of Jonah. He says he, he went down to Joppa, and he, after paying the fare, he went and sailed for Tarsus to flee, flee from the Lord. Folks, there's no way we can really hide from God. Amen? God is everywhere. He spoke in the world's world. God is omnipresent. But Jonah decided he was going to flee from the Lord. And so he got on a boat and looked what, what God did. And then the Lord, you see, this is a book about God. This isn't a book about a whale. This is a book about a big God. And the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship was threatened to break up. And even the sailors were afraid. There's another lesson here. When we rebel against God and when we sin against God, it not only affects us and our relationship to God, it will affect other people. Do you understand what I'm saying? I want to tell you a true story. It involves a family, a, a person in my family. Now, for before you think I'm talking about my daughter, I'm not. In fact, <clears throat> the people I'm talking about don't even live in the state of Virginia. But about 20 years ago, this member of my family decided he was tired of being married. He had a daughter about eight years old, I believe, at the time, and He'd married a lovely girl. She was from New York. And in fact, uh, she told me one time it was because of the death of your son that I, I came to faith in Jesus Christ. And that made me think a lot of her. And she was a good woman, a hardworking woman. But her husband decided that he, he was tired of being married. And so he just up and leaves that woman and that little girl. God laid it on my heart to sit down and write him a long letter. It was probably before emails. I probably been 25 years ago. I don't know where emails came into being. I'm not real good at emailing. I'm not good at anything technical. I can <clears throat> open the door and that's about it. But my point is, I think God laid it on my heart to write him a long epistle. And I said, I need to tell you what's on my heart. I said, it was your decision to leave your wife. It was your decision to leave your daughter. And because you are a professing Christian, you're going to pay a price for that. And I sent it to him. I registered the letter. And this really happened about two months ago. It was kind of on my heart, and I had not talked to his former wife in probably 15 years. And about two months ago, I, had been, I was preaching here. I decided, because I found her number, to call that lady. And when she answered the phone, she recognized my voice. Not that I have an unusual voice, but she recognized me. And we began to engage in conversation, and... And that girl of theirs went on, and she has a Ph.D. in chemistry now. Very successful, brilliant young lady. And as we dialogued with that former wife, she told me 
that her former husband has very little contact with his daughter. You see, sin will cost us more than we intended to pay. And that is what, you see, it affected not only him, but it affected the, the sailors, and, and they became frightened. And you know the story. The story is that they eventually threw Jonah overboard because Jonah admitted the reason we're in a storm is because I am running from God. And therefore the Bible said, he said in verse 9, he answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And this, and this terrified them and they asked, what have you done? And they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. So here is Jonah in his rebellion trying to run from God. And a storm comes up and he said, the reason we're in the storm is because I am a man from God and I'm running from the presence of God. And so they decided to get rid of him and they threw him overboard. And then... It says, and they took Jonah and threw him overboard in a raging sea grew, calm. And the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made a vow to him. And then, this is the censure, this is what we know about Jonah. But the Lord provided a great fish. Really, the word whale is an inaccurate word. And that's the reason I believe that this was some special fish that God if man can make a submarine that can hold 200 can't God make a fish that can hold one man if you don't believe that folks we might as well shut the doors and turn this into an antique shop the God whom we serve is a great God a God who's all powerful a God of might and miracle and it says here but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Well, that'll get his attention. And that's what happened. And, and so we, we, we get to the God of the second chance. I love this. He said, "Let me before I get there, what time is it? Good night. I got to hurry. He said, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, and he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Oh, aren't you glad that we have a God that will answer us even when we disobey? And then in chapter 3, verse 1, I love this. This, this is the gospel here, folks. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I kind of feel like if I was not a Southern Baptist, sometimes I, I kind of feel like I'm going to shout. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. You see, sometimes we give up on ourselves, but praise God, God doesn't give up on us. God doesn't sponsor flops. We might fail, but God never fails. 
He loves us. Jesus died for us. And the word of the Lord came a second time. Aren't you glad today that the God who saved us is a God who gives us a second chance? Amen? Amen. I'll amen my own sermon. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. In verse 3 it says, And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. Should have done that before. He wouldn't have been so fishy-smelling. But he's, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. You see, this is the book about a great God who gives us a second chance. But is it also a book about two cities? And I'm, I'm closing. I'm getting ready to land the plane. I, I've, I've started Charles Dickens' book, A Tale of Two Cities, which compared London and Paris. And after I get through about one chapter, I just give up. But this book is about two cities. Nineveh represents the city of obedience. Tarshish represents the city of disobedience. And so as I, I close today, I want to ask you, what city are you in in your relationship with the Lord? Are you headed to Nineveh, the place of obedience? Am I today, as a child of God, am I a, headed to Nineveh where I can obey God and love God and serve God and preach the Word of God? Am I in Nineveh? Or even as a preacher, I can be in Tarshish. Folks, preachers fail too. And the question for me and the question for you is are you in Nineveh, obedience, or Tarshish, disobedience? And maybe you're here today and recognize that the greatest call of God is to call us salvation. The greatest word from God is to come now, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The greatest call is to call to come to accept Christ as your Savior. But if you have accepted Christ, I would ask you as a Christian today, do you live in Tarshish or Nineveh? Nineveh, obedience. Tarshish, disobedience. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. and I thank you, Lord, that you are the God of a second chance. I pray, God, that you just bless this church. I love this church, Lord. I, I really do. You know I do. And I thank you for every person who loves you and serves here. I just pray, Lord, that you'd bless this church. So we thank you today for being in God's house. We thank you, Lord, for listening to us. and Thank you for the music. 
We ask you, Lord, to bless us now during the invitation. And I make this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Brother Fred is already here. He's going to lead us in an invitational hymn. And